yak babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by the Fart Alarm, Peak Before You Squeak. My name is Aaron, here my personal pals, Dave. Hey, boys. Hello. We have Brick. Hello. Okay, and we have New American Nico. Hello, boys. Yes, hello indeed to all the boys. It's canon or canon, folks. It's been uh, about a month or so since we did our last episode about white noise. And now we have another entry. This is our most recent, most contemporary entry. It beats out Tommy Orange's There There by a couple years. There There was 2018, right? Something along those lines? I think it was earlier than and, that. Okay, maybe so. This book, Life from Uncommon Stars by Rika or Rika, I'm not sure if that's uh, the first name, Aoki, is from 2001. So only two years ago. Uh, or I guess, well, three. 2021. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. <laughs> 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 You know, it's been a long day. So, Nico, this was your entrance into the Canon or Canon Gladiator Arena. So what do you set up for us a little bit? What is this book? And then tell us a bit about why you chose it for Canon or Canon. Keep it in school or blast that book into the ocean. This book is a pretty pretty wild ride. It is so one of the threads follows a violin kind of student, a trans girl who's who's I think maybe seventeen or eighteen, uh, who gets kicked kicked out of her or runs away from home because her parents uh, abuse her, and she gets found by this violin teacher who happens to have a deal with a demon from hell to collect seven souls of violin players. And uh, so the violin teacher and the student kind of, she, she, she takes her in. And then meanwhile, there's also a donut shop run by aliens that are which is having problems because they replicate all their donuts and they don't have any, they don't, they don't make them. Uh, and so the sales are declining. And they are also called the Trans. Uh, so it's it's like Lan and Wendy and Edwin Tran. So then then that's basically the, the the starting point. And the reason I picked it was because like we're we're uh, theoretically picking books about marginalized people, books from uh, authors who aren't white men from uh, two hundred years ago. And this is not just one of those, but I think it's the most eloquent one and the most insightful one about the experience of being marginalized that that I've read in a long time and it really with like relatively simple metaphors like so there's the metaphor of the violin and how changing the violin changes its sound but also there's the person behind the violin and the music that they're playing and all all these kind of different things which create the music and then crucially I think one one of the really big things that differentiate this kind of metaphor from from other ones is that th- this one it's not just it's not just kind of live your truth it's mm. it's also that you have to find people who will appreciate your truth and you have to create a community and there has to be that it's not enough just to be good at the violin you have to you have to find people who like your violin playing uh, and then there's a bunch of little metaphors and layers to that to that metaphor uh yeah and found it insightful yeah i remember you talking about the podcast you know a while back 
and you hyped it up in uh, what are we reading and then it's come a couple times since then too uh, as a book you seem to to return to a lot see so this is one you, you really like well i've only reread it the once i mean it's it just came out 2021 okay. uh so so i read it i read it in 2022 and then just for this so yeah. Gotcha. So uh, what do you guys think of the book? I'm curious to hear. Let's, let's start start somewhere and then go from there. Uh, Brooke, about you? What did you uh, tell us your experience of the book? I liked it. I found it to be one of those books that I wanted to keep reading. Hmm. I read it in the course of maybe, well, I read like half of it in a day and then I put it down for a month because I got distracted. And then I finished the other half in maybe two days. It was, I just kind of, I mean, it's not a particularly difficult read, which helped. So it, it, it moves right. pretty quick. I think... I think on the surface, it, it the plot, it's very inventive. And the, the plot with the demon, the alien, and then the, the kind of music stuff, it feels it feels like you can see like this braid and how it's it's moving mm. towards a, a concluding point. And, and I do, um, I don't need to talk about the ending quite yet, but I, I like that it both satisfies that, but also subverts it a little bit. Um, so it's not, it's not overly simple. And I agree with Nico. I think one of the strengths that the music metaphor works very well, hmm. especially because it does not, bang you over the head with it right it, it never i don't recall there ever being a part be like hey what we're saying here about violins is exactly what i'm talking about with my transness uh that that never right. which a lot of books of this ilk because it, it has a very ya feel to it in the way it's written a lot of the books don't trust the reader to connect that they they feel right. the need to three quarters of the way through just be like just in case you didn't pick up here's here's what it is uh and it, it never does that which i like I think similarly, I think by the end of the book, I don't think Katrina's the main character. It it, it, it very shuttly, subtly shifts, right? She is... Katrina is the, the she's trans, the, the trans girl, uh, girl yeah. who's, who's really set up as the protagonist through most of the book. Right. It shifts maybe two-thirds of the way through, and it really ends up being... The, the, the main character is Satomi. Shizuka. And I think that's... As she... Like, her arc... Right, really, as she comes to appreciate Katrina, right, and then that, like, that's where the the Katrina doesn't. She grows. She has a nice character arc, but she's not. Her character arc is not the pivot of the book, right? Ultimately, it's about right. It's about Suzuka's soul, right, and her her sort of turn from a you know the queen of hell to someone who's essentially a parent to this trans girl and. Uh, uh, engaged in a interplanetary lesbian relationship, so right. she has a pretty big kind of kind of shift, uh, which is presented well and very satisfying. And again, it doesn't hit it doesn't hit you over the head with it. It just kind of allows mm. allows the story to do the work, uh, which I don't you don't see enough of right anymore. Yeah. At least I don't feel I do. At least certainly not in the YA space. Right. You mentioned that braiding thing, Brick, with the kind of plot threads. I was also talking about braiding in terms of the literal structure of the chapters. One thing I noticed quickly when, you know, the first, you know, for the first chapter really, is how every chapter is pretty diced up. You're following multiple perspectives. You follow Katrina and Shizuka primarily, but also uh, Lantran, the captain of the alien donut crew. You also follow a character named Lucy, who is the inheritor of a generational like a violin repair shop business whose her father and her grandfather were kind of like these like master luthiers and she's the one who inherited the business because her brothers you know even though she's a 
woman who was told she couldn't do it. She's the last one who who alone who could because her brothers are. I think they mentioned they're like in jail or something. There's something going on with them. Yeah, yeah, they're cursed. Their whole family is cursed. Yeah, they're cursed. <laughs> right, they right. Yeah. Demon stuff. I, right. I thought she was one of the more interesting characters in the book. She's not a like she's <clears throat> important to it to yeah a degree, but not. I, I was kind of waiting for for the Lucias to be the sort of linchpin to everything yeah. and it, it it never actually pans out that way but I, I i did i i thought the way that she was characterized worked really well i think she her her arc does a lot for the music writing piece yeah. right of, of, like of, of sort of understanding that connection nico was talking about like that that metaphor through the through the instruments themselves yeah i agree i i found those characters the most interesting of all of them and i whenever we were in the shop i was most engaged in the book and i think that's also probably because it didn't have anything to do with the demonic soul possession plot or the alien plot which i I both found kind of unsatisfying (laughs) so when it was more grounded in this like experience of researching the history of violin and luthier luthy i don't know what the word would be and like the conflict of having to to feel like you can do this amazing thing even though you've been told you shouldn't your entire life i liked all that stuff for sure and so i was yeah, similarly looking for more from those characters, and they they get their resolution too at the end. Everyone gets a, a happy ending. Spoiler alert! But uh, did, except for did, except for Tremont. Yeah, I was looking for more of that. I don't think Lucy got a happy ending. Did well, she finds that she's like she's actually like violent royalty, right? Like she's yeah. So so yeah. So he her, her last her, she thinks her last name is Matia, and it turns out it's Amati, which is a famous right. family of luthiers from Stradivarius and blah blah blah. But her right. everybody died, and so her entire her entire history is cur- her name is cursed, and so her true name is cursed, mm. and she she like has to like understand and abandoned her 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 birth name kind of, uh, which is like another you right. know thread in the braid. But her shop explodes. Yeah. Like that's the like the resolution is that because Katrina is so popular yeah. now, everyone's coming to the shop where she gets her violin fixed, and they sell like a bunch of yeah, like anime sheet music, or whatever, and they're they're doing big business. Uh, and also that her son finally realizes yeah. the gift too, right? She is able to pass it on to him because he finally gets interested in, yeah. in doing the work. But there are also other characters. There's the all the family. Everyone in the donut shop gets the perspective section. There's the aunt the two younger kids the older brother which we'll get to in a second uh and the (laughs) ai uh daughter thing uh robot projection character and then also other characters there's a lot of perspective characters Mm -hmm. so what i struggled with early on was the chapters you get like and this is maybe just a ya thing that i don't that is is not for my reading style or is just something that i don't understand maybe fully is you get like a couple paragraphs of one scene and then an abrupt switch to a different paragraph and a different scene and a couple lines of that and then back again and it really sort of bops around quite quickly and also did you guys notice how i'm sure you must have uh within the chapters even when the the scene hasn't changed there's like a line break right what's going on with that yeah sometimes it does that too it, it's almost like it it's almost like a camera cut or like a fade yeah. out uh i kept I think reading those it. Yeah. yeah, those are usually perspective switches, but sometimes they are. Sometimes they're not. <laughs> yeah, sometimes they're not. Sometimes. Yeah, and, and well, and that, they, those get a little confusing because sometimes they're not, and also when that happens, they're also not always a temporal. They're often not shift. Yeah, yeah, it's just it almost feels like 
dramatic pause, right? Almost. Yeah. Like mm, a, almost. Yeah. To a ran- just a random page here. This is the start of a chapter. So this is the donut shop. The characters are talking to it. This is the brother and the mom talking. Lynn nodded. Make it so. We can find neither. We can afford neither defective space-time filaments nor any further drops in our donut cells. This is, this is a dialogue paragraph. It ends. There's a full line break. And then the next paragraph with no indentation. Edwin frowned. He knew that a four-level diagnostic whatever was going to not going to work but what could he do and like his sister he had little aptitude for technology as such most of the crew thought he was useless then they would notice auntie floresta she mentioned to him like that blind break there's nothing that happens temporarily in that section so i can't i was the whole time i was like why is this happening maybe it's like a formatting thing or like a maybe it's like a tour publishing thing i have no idea Uh, but i found it confusing no no, it's it's specific to this book. I think I think okay. what Brooke said about camera cuts is is it's a good ma- a good way to see that. Like it's just yeah, it's it's split up into a bunch of small scenes, some of which kind yeah. of add up to each other. And then there's also bigger scene breaks within that are denoted by by asterisks within the yes. chapters yeah. that are at an actual scene break that switch right. to a different scene. Right. Whereas the the little line breaks are just kind of within within the same scene mostly yeah the asterisks are that's a conventional that's like you know that's something i, I experience a lot the the ones between just like dialogue bits i i felt were a lot more unconventional yeah they're weird they didn't the first one threw me and then after that i just charged through them and it, it never really it didn't it didn't bother me after yeah. that but it was yeah it was you know I, i've probably read i mean i've read a lot of ya so you you get used to the the kind of cadences. There's there's much more of a, you know, for better or for worse. There's much more of a like visual. It follows kind of the same patterns and cadences of, of television. I find yeah, right. And it's it's much less about the sort of written exposition and narrative as it is the sort of here's the scene, here's the scene, here's the scene. Yeah. Here's what people are saying, you know, and so when you fall into that rhythm, it doesn't, it's not as distracting anymore, especially if you're used to that, that kind of presentation. Yeah, I would say specifically anime. Uh, there's a very like anime structure yeah. to the, the way the scenes play out here. There's a, a tick mm-hmm. the writer has when in dialogue scenes where a character will say something, especially like between the teacher and, and Katrina. So that, you know, Shizuka will say something and the character will say Miss Satomi question mark and then it'll go to the next line of dialogue that like, happens like a lot and that is definitely an anime thing where characters express surprise or shock in almost anything a character says and then the character falls up with reiterating what they said the first time is it is this book written in English or is it translation I, I assume I think it, it's written in English I don't see any translation information here no yeah I think it's English <clears throat> I also don't I you guys keep describing it as YA I would push back against that a little bit I think the prose is relatively unadorned but i don't think it's it's ya i think that's it's uh i was gonna ask that yeah is it what, what's it classified as yeah because i didn't i didn't feel like i was reading a ya book but i i get like why it would come up during the discussion I yeah felt like it i mean was ya but it was in terms of the writing but not the content because uh, there's some pretty explicit mm-hmm. stuff in here that maybe you wouldn't see in a YA book uh, or maybe you would frankly oh, I, think, I think you'd be surprised yeah. Yeah. but the reading level was like this is like a fourth grade reading level right this is not this is nothing advanced I don't, I don't know about that but uh, <laughs> I I can see this being uh, I mean you know I don't mean YA pejoratively but I, this is I think this is an appropriate book for 16 17 year old i'd put this in my school right yeah i, I would so, say a, uh, y, a ya book would take one of these threads and that would be the whole plot 
Uh, mm. And the the like the complexity of the story, like it doesn't come off as com- complex, but I think that's also part of the uh, part of the uh, project of the book. I guess is right. is to take these different things the same way that Katrina takes video game music and plays it in a c- classical music competition. The the book is taking tropes like you said from like anime and stuff that are considered lower brow and bringing it to a novel right. and kind of trying to elevate those those tropes to to uh uh to to what what would yeah. classically be, you know, a, a different a different form. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, we don't need to get bogged in the YA thing. For me, the, the YA feeling, uh, YA books um, can be very complex. They can sometimes have pretty tough language, too. They, f- For me, the multiple perspective characters and that sort of uh, visual kind of scene-by-scene approach is, is a big part of it. And then the language is a big part of it. I think there's a couple points, especially around the music thing, uh, the music sections where the, where the language flirts with being above average, uh, especially for, for what I was used to seeing in the book. And then there's other points where, uh, the writer falls into these ticks that I'd want out. The, the this part specifically towards the end that really, I like, I was like, Oh man, mm-hmm. you guys, I don't know. It's, it's, uh, when the things are ramping up with the demon and then there's an interior where the, the narrator goes, this is bad. This is really yeah, bad. Yeah. And I said, take cut, cut, cut that out of your book. Right. That's like, those kind of ticks are what pull me into that, that YA kind of, kind of mode, right. right? Yeah. Where, um, it, it's sort of there. It's so centered even on the character, uh, perspective-wise, that it loses that more authorial narrative storytelling mm-hmm. kind of perspective that that I, I prefer, um, okay. and I think that's that's where that's where it feels. And I don't think it's bad because I think that's just how that's. But that's how I categorize it that way because I think that appeals to the more immediate reader that we we think of when we think of a of a of a teen mm. reader, right? right? That they they want yeah they want the book to. To, to kind of identify with them. Right. Yeah. Well, so I think that's, so I, I would push back against that in a couple ways. What for one, I think the, one of the keys is that it's Tor. This is sci-fi. Uh, so, right. so that's a different, it's a different, so it's a genre book. And I feel like a lot of the genre conventions you guys might be reading is YA, which sure. are not there. A lack of complexity in the, in the language is, is pretty standard for sci-fi, uh, but a complexity of ideas I feel like is also here, uh, and then also with the I, I know what you're talking about at the end where she kind of the she the author kind of breaks down the that authorial voice and is kind of speaking to yeah. other trans people basically, yeah. And I and I think that I I found that powerful because that we're still in a time where you know this came out in 2021 we're still very much in a time where. Trans people in America, especially trans people of color, I feel like are among the most the 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 most marginalized people, and they are the still the people that need that kind of you know unity and that kind of call to that that kind of uh, you know there are other people here there are, there are people you know that kind of it's get it gets better thing, but on a more kind of operatic level, I guess. Yeah. So that's how I read that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, it doesn't. I mean, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if it's YA, though, right? Right. You know. So, yeah. And you're right. I think it could just as easily be sci-fi conventions. It's it's that. I have a hard time with that 
kind of winking at the fourth wall, which this book doesn't do, but that winking at the fourth wall, like, oh boy, here we go, like uh, voiceover. Again, it it feels like anime kind of stuff. And I don't think this book did it a lot, but there was a couple times where when it slipped through, Mm. it jarred me, right? I found that disappointing because I didn't, I didn't want it. I didn't want it. Yeah. Because I, you know, again, I think, I think Nico's right. I think what this book does that most YA books don't is it's very subtle Mm. with its, like at no point does this book kind of trumpet that it's like a book for trans people, right? Or it's, or it's trying to make a point about anything besides being a story, but then it, it, it does do those things. And I think a lot of the times, you know, I think it's a hard temptation for for an author to 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 avoid, right? To to not be like, hey, 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 you know, here it is, right? Have the Ron Howard voice come in and say, hey, that's the that's the name of the that's the name of the show, right? right? And 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 uh, it it never does that, which I, I appreciate. Yeah, this I mean, this is a very genuine expression of empathy and and care yeah. on the half of the on behalf of the writer, uh, who herself is a trans person of color, right? It's this obviously that they care very deeply, and we can see that in the text. Yeah. And I also think just just to sorry just to put a tag on that. The, so the author's trans person of color. I think also a, a big part of this is the intersectionality of it. So there's there's yeah. the story of Katrina, who is the trans violinist, and then there's the story of the donut people, who are immigrants. And there's both, and and then that gets kind of uh, the the similarities get compared a lot, and the intersectionality of of uh, of those two communities gets gets kind of similar yeah similar is brought up and and then there's also kind of the you know all of the different little little parts where you know different restaurants are like whenever there's a restaurant there's always some kind of a twist to it and it's usually some kind of it's like a restaurant but it's in an asian place so the italian restaurant is now asian and all yeah. that all that kind of stuff i really like all of those almost all of those little bits i thought were a kind of a riff on the motif of the, you know, marginalization and uh, intersectionality. Yeah, I mean the the setting of the the San Fernando Valley and the like Asian community that uh, lives or so settled there is is like really well taken, right? And I think it's the best part of the book is how uh, fully realized that world is. And yeah, like all the restaurants, they're kind of their own little like scenes and scenarios and the characters that kind of come in and out. You know, very small little blips are great. The only part of that they didn't like was the Olive Garden section, which I found kind of like the antithesis of that. But that's that's a separate issue, I suppose. But yeah, all it was really great. I think that the setting of it was really awesome. Dave, you've been quiet. Well, and and with that setting, how Katrina even now that we're talking about Olive Garden, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he's like they're endless, you know. So (laughs) (laughs) got a good soup. I mean. I think it also worked well because we see Katrina kind of unable to be a part of that, you know, the Asian American. I mean, they're in a heavily Asian American area and Katrina isn't she's kind of, you know, shunted from that as well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like Uh, just for being trans. So it's like, you know, trans people can't that's they struggle to find community anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm being trans, and also there's like a a diff, another narrative kind of alongside of that of she's not being pushed by her parents into performing music at the highest level. She's not ruthless in her pursuit of music. Uh, she sort of has like a a more genuine desire to express through her like YouTube channel kind of thing, uh, contrasted to the students who are you know seen as kind of like more venal or whatever, and and 
and therefore bad, I suppose. And then there's the the entire kind of uh, racism of the classical music itself and the Eurocentrism of it and how, you know, the the Europe, the European uh, composers and the European violins are, right. you know, held up and the Chinese violin is not. Because right. it's just a piece of shit from China. There's like right. so many of those little details, I feel like, that all riff off of each yeah. other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I question with the morality or like the the moral universe of this novel. So Shizuki or Shizuka rather, her role is to gather souls to be damned for eternity in hell, right? And she's targeting children, and she successfully damns six of them, and she's doing this to save her own soul, right? Like if she does this, then she will once again be able to play music, and she won't have to spend like an eternity in in hell. I think it's not even just. It's not even just that she will be able to play music again because she's old. She's going to die soon. She's 78. It's revealed right. later. Uh, I think it's just that her music will be available to be heard. Okay. So, like, she right. has this catalog of music that this demon is locked I thought away. she – but she didn't she age rapidly when she didn't fulfill – I got the sense that she had a younger body and she only became 87. Yeah. No, she's – It sort of implied that – when she didn't fulfill the bargain that she like aged before their eyes, like the guy from Indiana. Jones. Yeah, no. her, that's what that's her no. bones got she, heavy. And all of a sudden she's like weak and falls down. She, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what happened? But that, might, that might've been more like she, she, the queen of hell persona came off, but she's, she's been doing this for 49 years. We know she's been doing just the, just the harvesting souls for 49 years. So she's at least 70 from the beginning. And I think that the, there might be a, a confusion between like how she's described versus her like aura versus what how old she actually is yeah i mean it's clear from the beginning uh, that she's I, old like they they don't hide yeah. that but every time the characters see her, they're like she's the most beautiful youngest woman like they always describe her as like young and beautiful yeah it definitely seemed like she was basically frozen at 30 yeah to like exist in that space and that's because he says i gave you these 49 years it, like she was given this eternal youth kind of deal while she went through the process and then she lost it all when she didn't, when she, when midnight yeah. chimed in the pumpkin. Right. I'd be curious to see. That, that's how I. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah. I'd be curious to see if they, they go back and poke. Again. If uh, she's actually described as young or if she's just described as like, you know, vibrant or whatever. Uh, yeah. It might be, it might just be she had like life in her. I don't know. She, it, it definitely didn't, she didn't navigate the world of most of the book like an 89-year-old no, woman. No, definitely not. You know, they're kind of talking about how she's beautiful and like the sunglasses and, you know, but it could be one of those she had like a glamour on her kind of deal because it is talking. She always has her sunglasses on. She's always looking beautiful and vibrant, mm-hmm. you know, so maybe she's 89, but she looked 50 because because of the demon yeah. magic on her or something. I, I don't know. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't dwell on it, but. No, and that would fit in with the theme of an outward projection contrasting to an inward reality but yeah. it's not really made concrete what that actually looks like okay sure. so is she a bad person or not right well i sh- she's given a pass on the first six souls by this why point. um i don't know why and i, I think and i i think i i really like how her arc ends up but i i think you know and i and i think there's probably some there's probably some layering there of people of an older generation that had to have things closeted and had to do whatever, probably, you know, have some pretty rough stuff in their past that they want to pass from. But I think the book gives her a pass too easily, right? She led seven people to eternal torture. And it's sort of by not doing a seventh, it's sort of 
Like I'm, I, I'm glad she got a happy ending, but I, I wish there was a little more reckoning there. There's a the book literally says like at one point towards the end, like at the you can retell your story even at the last minute, right? At the eleventh hour, you can still retell your story and have a new beginning. Yeah, and so I, I like all that. I just don't quite think it earned. Well, I can't, it. and that's yeah. I can't understand then why those children deserve to be damned. Because no one else in the book ever questions. Uh, and when... Well, so, I mean, it, it, the tr- Tremont, the demon guy, I mean, he basically... Again, it, it, I think it's more of a, you know, and I don't know that this book would have been better if it had been expounded to 500 pages and dug into the mythos of how the demons work and stuff. Like, I don't think it would have benefited from that. But, I mean, there's definitely... And we see it a bit with Katrina where he needs to start getting tricky in the end because he's going to get his way either way. There's there's an implication that she didn't so much deceive them as laid it out before them and then their own kind of avarice. Uh, like th- th- It definitely sets it up like she led these six kids to hell, but they ultimately wanted it because they got like, – they all made a bargain, right? And so, I mean, it does do that. But so – I mean, th- right. Yeah. So did she, and there's a lot. She gets retribution or she, she gets a, a, a new chance to start over, but they don't. Right. And the way her story with Katrina plays out, there's this inevitability to it, right? Where like the implication is if Katrina doesn't make the choice, someone else is going to fuck her anyway. And so that, that kind of undoes that, that sort of explanation of the first six where it's just like, okay, well, if it's inevitable, then that's a different, then it's more, much more, you know, I don't. I, I just think it needed a little more. There's yeah, well, there's uh, there's a part I really liked with Katrina where where Shizuka is talking to her about you know the deal, and Katrina's like, I know that there's gonna be, I'm gonna have to pay for all this at some point. I know that, and Shizuka's finally like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna. So part of this is that you're gonna give your soul up, and she's like, oh, oh, that's fine, that's that's fine, that's all you want, sure. And yeah. It, yeah. It's like, but but again, I mean, it, it without, and it, you don't want the book to dive deep into the mythos of how demonology is working in here. But there's a difference between a kid saying, "I'll give up my soul to be famous," and like that—that's different when in the reality of the book, that's a literal eternity. And 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 that—that's the part that's not. I think the book needs a little more, especially on the demon stuff, but also the intergalactic empire stuff. It it's it's a little too right. It's a little. I mean, too there's not there's uh, yeah far back. I get it. I get it that there's that there's not yeah uh, that you know the punishment is going to be worse for Katrina but I think what what matters more like you're saying is not the tech, technicalities of the the souls it's that Katrina has been on the run fighting every day for her entire life including her own family she's never had anywhere to be safe and then so as soon as she has a little bit of safety as soon as she has like Astrid cooking her breakfast and she has somewhere where she can relax she is like sure yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever we need, whatever you want to to continue this, that's fine. Uh, and, yeah, yeah. And I, I also see. think that Shizuka at the end, just real quick, is that uh, when when she and Lan go off to they go off to they specifically play a series of concerts, <laughs> which is weird, but for these places that have been ravaged by the end plague, and so they go around and they try to make these people whose lives have been ruined feel a little bit better. And that's kind of her. And then every time they go there, all these people who have been, you know, scarred by this war that they didn't choose, have a choice in 
are are like you shouldn't be playing for us. We're not worth it. We're we've done horrible things. And Shizuka's like, so have I. So there's not there's is it, there is a not a complete yeah. you know giving her a complete pass. It's it's uh, that she has to take that and she has to she's going to remember that. Uh, and she does she does get she doesn't have to spend the rest of her life in hell, but she also you know does have to live with that. Right. Yeah, and she can never go home. And yeah, yeah. I did like, uh, you know, I, I think it could have used more explanation on how how hell worked. Uh, but I liked, I liked that the when they when they escape the planet, the demon just can't follow right, and he thinks he thinks he has infinite reach, but he's he's bound to the planet. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was a nice. I think that was a nice way of elaborating on how these these sort of supernatural or fantasy systems work without without diving into it. Yeah. I, I think. I think the book needed more explanation, specifically of hell and how it worked. Uh, but it would have been tough because I, I, you really don't want like if there have been chapters in hell and stuff. I would have hated it. Uh, and and so uh, I, I don't know how it could have been done differently. I, I don't know. I, the the inter, intergalactic stuff felt more complete to me than the demon stuff. Mm. It for me, like the <laughs> even though every time somebody asks, like, how does this power system work? They're like, shut up, don't worry about it. And <laughs> but I think that's a better way. Like, I think that's how, like, if something like that could have been handled, because yeah. I think for me, the the question of eternal damnation mm-hmm. and what that actually means within the context of this story is not super clear. Like, are these kids she turned away? Are they literally having their bones melted for for infinity? Like, what what is what is hell in this? Right? Or is it? Or are they all? is Suzuka in hell, right? Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does it, that, that part, I needed a little more. And for the space stuff, like I got enough with the, yeah. with the galactic and the, the end, like the end plague, like we, there, it needed a demon hell version of the end plague to contextualize it a little bit. Yeah. I think that the contextualization is the devil went down to Georgia. Like it's all a riff on, you know, and then we played our yeah, but that fiddles. Is a, I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But, Brick, even that final scene you're mentioning with the demon, he's going off to go uh, trick the other violin girl. And we know from her internal yeah. narration that she's a cutter. Uh, so she also has mental health issues. And the book posits that her damnation is a satisfying conclusion to the story because she deserves to die and be damned. And I can't figure out why the book feels well, like that. Well, I, I don't agree with you on that because I, I don't think deserve plays into it, right? I think that's – I think he's praying. He's praying on those things, right? And I think there's th- – that's why I liked how, like, the, the hell was, like, automatically conceptualized when he couldn't reach the spaceship, right? And so it it is – this is a very specific – there's not demons throughout the universe, part of this master plot, whatever. This is a thing specific to this planet, and hell on this planet is being tortured for your insecurities and for the things, you know what I mean? Like that, but the, I, I like that part, greed. right? Because I, I don't think, what? And for your greed. Like, that's the main thing that yeah. Tomiko, it's like the she, of a she, she, yeah, I like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think the, he is I don't a demon. think, yeah, he's the book's a demon. Not a demon. The, <laughs> no, but the the kid's punishment isn't being a cutter. That's what's being preyed upon, right? And and this this system, you know, through through the musicians or whatever else, he's preying on people who are who aren't able to to sort of 
exist on their own, right? He's preying on people that don't have the supports that, that Karina ended up having, right? And and he's able to prey on it because that's how this fucking planet works, right? And and it sucks for this girl, but the demon's going to get her because she's easy picking for a demon, right? I think that's where, like, that's... I, I can see that, right? I don't... It's sad a little bit. You know, I don't I don't know... I don't know if I agree that everyone gets a happy ending in this. I think, but... Well, they don't. The The six souls are in hell forever. Like, they're the ones who are punished. No, and the demon is not destroyed. He's going to go back and do this more, yes. right? And so they they don't get a happy ending. They just escape. Right. And, and so... I, I did think it was a pretty, I thought it was a satisfying end of the book. I, I did. I thought it wrapped up nicely. I like that they kind of found a little technicality to get the demon on by waiting until he, waiting until he acknowledged whatever and then doing it. So I had to wait to the last second to kind of use his own contractual wordplay against him. I thought that was clever. Yeah. But I, I, I think, I think you're right that the morality is weird. There's also a scene. Aaron, but I, but I think it's on purpose. I don't know about that. I mean, maybe, uh, but the, what about the bit where the character, the brother murders two people and they're erased from existence and nothing ever happens. Like he's <laughs> consigned to like prison in an alternate timeline in, in a coma basically, but no one ever confronts like, Oh, he's a murderer now. <laughs> like there's no, there's no sense of grief. Like the book never stops to be like, huh? And this feels like a consequence of too many characters with perspectives when we could have focused maybe more narrowly on the main stories, but that part, that section, was one of the better written sections, but I was like, this is bananas what's happening here. And it just goes away. It's never, ever addressed again. Well, I, I think you're right about there being too many characters, but I, I, sometimes disappearing is a punishment. Yeah. But the, the two people were disappeared. Literally they died and their bodies were never found. Like the, there's a past reference to like their families will never know what happened to them. And it's like, okay, well move on. Like it's a weird <laughs> yeah. bit. Yeah. Uh, and that seemed to me tied up with the story about what happens to these characters who are damned. So there's a part where Land, the the captain of the spaceship, finds out about Shizuka's secret, right? And they have a confrontation. She's upset naturally because she went there. Her, <laughs> her partner is a, like basically harvesting souls for the devil, right? Child predator. Yeah. 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 And then Shizuka is mad. And she's like, well, you're just making assumptions about my life and then they have a confrontation later where she's like hey you know i'm sorry i should have thought more carefully about what i was saying to you and i was like should you have what are you actually apologizing for like i never got clarity on like what was the what was the sort of apology and why did she suddenly understand because they kept saying like oh now she understood better what actually was happening i was like well what actually is happening then like what is the what what changed for her that made it all of a sudden okay that shizuka's like sort of life was, I guess that she was being forced to do it, which is okay. Sure. But she is still doing it. <laughs> that, I, that whole thing I was, I couldn't, I couldn't get with that part of the book for sure. That was how I, I struggled the whole time. I think that. the whole, yeah, the whole, uh, Shizuka like tempting people is based on exploiting that they are greedy basically. And that they want. And so I, I feel like that's the Shizuka's kind of defense is, is that uh, Tamiko is still going to go off and make a deal with the devil. Shizuka is not involved, but because she wants that finite thing, that acclaim that much, she is going to destroy her life to get it. Uh, So, I I mean, yeah, I I get it from a perspective. Like, it's, it's, it's like Shizuka is never, is never, I don't think, ever presented as like a good person. Oh, I disagree. Uh, she is. Yeah, I don't agree <laughs> you with think, you either. I think she's she's not. I don't think I don't not, think she's presented enough as a bad person. In that, 
I she's think not that goes she's not transphobic it's like she doesn't give a shit about katrina being trans but she's not on the whole like nice <laughs> i don't know man uh, she has she's yeah. very transactional she's a bit brusque to like lucy and stuff but she also is like careful like she murders the guy who misgenders katrina like she <laughs> but that murder is not yeah. presented as like a a moral complication. It's just like, no, he deserved to die because he misgendered. Like, okay, great. Yeah, she's not a villain in this book. We're not supposed to see her as a villain. Yeah, no. No, but I also don't think that she's she's not like. So the the blurb on the front is T.J. Clune, and T.J. Clune's books are full of people that are just want to just are just trying to help other people, and they're like mm. the softest, you know, kind of what do you call it, je- most generous people. And Jazuka's not that, and she's a lot more. I I feel like three dimensional, and she has parts that are where she's nice, but like she's kind of she's she's nice to Katrina because she doesn't give a shit that Katrina is trans, and just not having that allows her to be more uh, kind of comfort to Katrina than anybody else in Katrina's life. But I think she is she's not a good person huh well she's nice to katrina but with a goal in mind right and make yeah, katrina feel comfortable so that yeah she'll yeah. she'll do what i need her to do i think there's an occasion for some development there that was maybe missed which is i'm with you the scene where katrina is like on her webcam show right and she gets caught by the housekeeper and she has this panic moment she's going to rush out and leave because she feels you know embarrassed and caught and you know, I liked how that dealt with the realities of you know what you have to do to get by, right? And the sort of like the compromises you make and the things mm-hmm. that you feel. But that was like really, I thought that was really interesting and powerful. And there was a moment for so Shizuka, so the outcome of the scene is Shizuka made her like, hey, don't worry about it. Uh, if you want to turn tricks, that's fine. Just tell us where you're going and try and make a consistent thing. And also, if you don't want to do it, it's fine too. We're gonna to pay for your hormones anyway. There's no problem. We have no judgment here at all, which is great. But there could have been a scene where Shizuka was like, I don't necessarily love this right and there could have been some tension there and it did seem like there were several moments where like for instance the scene where shizuka learns that lana's an alien and she's just like great cool that's fine like no one ever objects or even pauses for one to be like huh that's kind of fucked up or vice versa when they found that they're like demons are real and hell's real like no one is like wow it's crazy the hell's real like it was just kind of like it seems like people on the internet know that hell is real and are talking about it on Reddit about violence. <laughs> it's like no one has any pause about this, yeah. which maybe is just like a need to, it's like a, the comic book reality of like, you have to buy this is a thing, whatever, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But it does also elide some moments where tension could be built that would allow for characterization. And then we'd see Kazuka like, well, she's like, yeah, she's very accepting, but she also, she has this like strange blind spot, right? And then she could, over, of course, overcome yeah. that or think about that. But instead of taking time to get through it, it's just like, no, she's perfect. She accepts everything radically and immediately. Now the contrast. Yeah, I, I, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I just, I, I think her ending and her, plot arc would have been earned better if we had seen more of her queen of hellness on the page as exposed to explain to us what happened in the past right and and that that it, we we hear about the other six kids we she she tells us or, or tremont does or whoever we we hear about the things but she's generally either indifferent or nice and generous on on the page there's very few scenes where she's not right. and that's i still like her arc but i think it it, it 
doesn't have that punch because uh, you can see that she's going to become a mother to Katrina pretty early on. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't even doesn't try to hide it. She basically, I mean, she tips her hand that she's not going to fall through the deal. I don't know, 40% into the book. It, it, it's pretty early there. And so, yeah. you know, it's, it's certainly presenting her as that sort of reformed caregiver, but it would have been nice to see a little more of her to give her more kind of track to, to transfer herself on through, you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I tend to agree. Did anyone else, um, Aaron, going back to what you were just saying about the ready acceptance, and then break too a little bit about how, you know, a lot of this stuff goes unexplained. There were points during the book, particularly early, where I wondered if we would eventually learn, especially with Lantran, I think, that the whole outer space alien thing is like a sign of some sort of mental health issue. And everyone in her family is just kind of humoring her, not humoring her, but like, you know, like supporting this wild thing that she believes. Yeah. Interesting. Which I'm glad that didn't turn out. I'm glad that didn't either. I started looking for that with Shizuka too. Like, Oh yeah, let's, let's find you this seven soul to, you know, Uh, send to hell so that, Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that sounds like. And then the fact that the two of them come together at the end and go off on this, you know, universal concert tour. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I doubt that there's anything to that reading. Yeah. Um, be, but it's something I thought about along the way. It'd be a very different book, right? I would hate that book. <laughs> <laughs> it does have a little cape axie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it's interesting, Dave. I hadn't thought about that, but it's a. You're right. There is there's room for that kind of uh, direction, but but clearly this is like Nico said. This is a Torah book. It's it's, a, it's sci-fi tropes are worn as a badge of pride, as it should be, right? As opposed to being a thing to kind of like subvert and avoid. Yeah. Are there other threads for discussion that we don't touch on that we haven't touched on yet? I don't think so. I think there's just there's just like more of those kind of uh, the those metaphors that I think uh, are are great and i th- i feel like i don't know we could keep talking about them for a while and i think that's a good thing yeah for sure the, the one that i liked was the donuts and the aunt and the little boys like journey to discover like how things are actually made like versus the like replication of the yeah i like that donuts a lot. and had they learned to cook and mm-hmm. then that's how their sales mm-hmm. turn around that was nice and i thought that was a nice way to talk about integration and you know having culture not being subsumed but also learning how to fuse your culture with where you live now and and use that to the benefit of your community that was really nice yeah i thought shirley the holograms arc was nice too i had questions about shirley the hologram can she eat how does she eat (laughs) she feeds her eggs at one but where do they they go they they explain that part she she's she can like fake it where do the eggs go they fall on the floor It, it sort of implies that she has like some kind of corporality when she's there as long as she's near the projector thing and then they make that necklace thing that she's able to yeah she's able to hold her own necklace that weights you know like she's able to carry the weight of the necklace that holds her projector so she has to have some sort of physical manifestation when she as long as she's near the thing yeah it, it, I mean, it, calls, the, it calls the thing she, she carries around a projector but it, i don't think it's just like light but it was just the part where she ate the eggs that I couldn't figure out. Does she eat and does she poop? Let's email. I, these are Rekha questions. Aoki, right? <laughs> does Shirley poop? <laughs> we need to know before we can decide if this is a canon. 
can of coconut. It's one of those questions that the answer is just like, don't worry about. Yeah, it. I mean that's the comic book. It's thing. the that's same the, as the energy. Yeah. It's like don't. Don't worry about right. it. Right. How does Green Lantern's ring actually, if it's just a bit of light, how does it destroy a building? Well, you have to accept yeah. it. Yeah, sure. It's like, oh, now, yeah. Now it used to be a box. Now it's a necklace. Right. Don't worry right. about it. It was more the X part. Uh, well, uh, I don't know if you guys have been peeping on my uh, Venmo transactions recently, uh, but you might have seen. a long time ago not to peep on anything you do. Okay. Well, that's probably the smart move. But if you had been spying on my Venmo, you would have seen that I recently paid $170,000 for a vintage cannon. And, and here it is. It's right behind me. That's what it costs. That's what, that was I was. It was question. a deal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you guys like it? It feels like you overpaid. Yeah, oh, you think so? Oh uh, well. Yeah. yeah. Things about twenty-five. I can get you a cannon for five grand today. <laughs> <laughs> today, I got a cannon, yeah. <laughs> a cannon yeah. connection. <laughs> Uh, well, as we do in our Canada Canon series, when we come to the end of the discussion, we have to, must decide whether this book goes into the Canon Western literature or is shot out of a cannon into the ocean, the arms of Poseidon. So we will discuss that. Just to quickly recap, last time we did White Noise, and I believe that was... It was Bruce, in. Do you have the, the results in front of you? Yeah, hang on. I got... You want me to read all of it? Please. White Noise, I was the only dissenting boat. Okay, right. White noise. And that was a... That was a fake dissent <laughs> was it yeah that was that was that, that was, was a protest vote. oh that's right that's, you don't want to be that was a, I, might, I might as well yeah. might as well get one in while i can sure yeah. right okay uh hang on let me find i, I mean i think uh, uh the road the road did not pass no the road was in limbo it was two to two road was a tie. well we decided ties are not good enough right that's right so there, there, Beloved there, there was, was also a tie. Out. So it was not good enough. Mm-hmm. Beloved was unanimous with an asterisk. One abstention. White noise, uh, three to one in, uh, and Lincoln and the Bardo was unanimous. Right. Okay. Great. So, all right. So let let me wait. Hang on. Let me make my last pitch. So we've been talking a lot about Shizuka here, but uh, for me, why this book should be in the canon is because of Katrina. Because Katrina sections, uh, not only. Uh, the violin metaphor, uh, the how she you know treats her violin. What is where does the music come from? Is it the person? Is it the violin? All of that stuff. Uh, but also the the scenes where she kind of uh, where where especially where she first plays in front of Shizuka, and then later on in her climactic like final scene where she plays. Uh, and kind of, and the the bank director grabs her penis right before she goes on stage, and she has to like get over that, and then she plays, and she manages to make a connection, and then goes to that uses her trauma and her pain to make art. I think that that whole thing is why is why I think it's the most most eloquent and insightful uh, expression of that 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 I've read. Well, so let's start with you. So you're voting. Yes. Well, okay. He'll <laughs> <laughs> turn for Nico. So single end cannon for Nico. Brick, let's go to you. I agree with just about all of Nico's reading, but I think it needs to hit on all cylinders. And the thing, the writing just isn't there for mm-hmm. me in this in this book. And that's the. Uh, this is a book I am going to recommend to people, and I probably will buy copies for my school. And I I think it does. I think it's a very inventive book, and I think it does a great job of describing uh, an experience foreign to my own in a way that is both entertaining and memorable. But the writing's just not there for me to say that I think anyone's going to be reading this in 20 years. Okay. Double N for Brick. Dave? I think double N as well. I'm glad I read it. There's a lot to enjoy here. I have some of the same struggles with it that, that Aaron had. 
I'm, I think I'm curious to know, I mean, there's no way of knowing, but I wonder how this book might have struck me when I was, you know, maybe like early 20s, mm-hmm. like pre-jaded. I think maybe it would have landed better for me. I like a lot of the spirit behind it. She clearly loves her characters, at least mm-hmm. her main characters, Katrina and Shizuka. And that was pleasant to be a part of. But yeah, there is a problem with that love she has for Shizuka and the sort of, I guess, unexplored morality of it, which I know Nico, you tried to explain away a little bit, but I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that worked for me. So yeah, for, for those reasons, I'm going to fire it out into the sea. But like Brick said, I'm like, there are, I would have no problem recommending this book to, to certain people. Like it's, it's an enjoyable experience. I like that this um, is a but generally canon, nah, I just don't see it. Happy book, even mm. when it's dealing even when it's dealing with some rough uh, subject matter or scenes or, or darkness. There there's a there's a light, like it's all right kind of tone to all of it. Um, especially mm-hmm. I think with the Shizuka stuff that I that I appreciate. Yeah. That's what I was gonna say earlier and we were talking about the what were we talking about? Oh, the the part where Shizuka accepts uh, Katrina's like sex work without question, and I was saying there's room there for like more nuance, whatever. But the other side of that store or that that's a point that I thought about a lot as well is that maybe it's nice to have a book where that doesn't have to be a problem, right? Where the characters' choices yeah. are accepted. I can understand. I mean, I'm not uh, a trans person, so I I can't say I wouldn't know, but I can imagine that reading a book where I wasn't having to confront that trauma would be a relief and be satisfying. So I can totally see that working uh, in a different way for a different reader. You know th- that I you know, I'm not and, and wouldn't have access to. Uh, I also vote no. I just had a problem with this book. I didn't like it. I think Nico's right about all the representation stuff. I totally agree. I have to assume that there's a trans narrative out there that, that isn't this. This one just didn't, couldn't do it for me. I tried for the first 60 pages and then I it got lost and, and there were too many questions that kept coming up. And it's just not the kind of book I like. I, I struggle with it a lot too, my own perspective of thinking like, this is just not my kind of book either. Like it's not my genre and I don't read. I know we're saying this isn't YA. It's not classified as YA, but to me it reads like YA does. And it shows me all the reasons why I don't read YA. So this this one didn't hit me. So I can't, uh, I can't nominate for canon. It doesn't need to be shot out of the canon. It could be... Uh, set aside in a bookshelf. Well, I think for... the real question is, where's it's your morality now that you're casting this choice. book to Poseidon? Yeah. Right? yeah. You are damning this book, Aaron. I should have mentioned that I... I... Yeah, what What if you hadn't just bought a cannon? <laughs> I did sell my just soul for... Just an excuse for, oh, for <laughs> fodder. Gate, asshole. So that's, I should have mentioned that earlier on. Well, that's it. Cannon or Cannon, Light from Uncommon Stars. Listeners, tell us your thoughts on this novel. Once we, once we put six more books in the, in the ocean, uh, someone will actually listen to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get it. The... <laughs> Don't worry. Tune in next time when we'll get right back to straight white men. Let's get out of these uncomfortable waters. We'll get back. We'll get back home. Yeah. Listeners, tell us your thoughts. Uh, Patreon.com slash shackbabies where you can find the show and also the bonus podcast. Uh, for a dollar a month, you can get access to our bonus show there. Where we have all kinds of fun games and discussions and Broadway conversations there. You can also talk to us there. You can comment in the posts and, and respond and, and we'll be in those comments too. You can also email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with more of your thoughts as well. And then we have merch, tinyurl.com slash jackbabies, where we have designs by Brick that can go on posters, mugs, t-shirts, all kinds of stuff that are worth checking out. There's a whole new series of AI art of yaks doing 
non-yak things. Uh, so go check those out and enjoy. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off. The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, Gilbert, and William Howard Taft. Oh.